Thanks. Um, I chose this title rather than the um, Balancing Burundi and Libya one because I didn't want to spook you necessarily, but also to give you a sense that radio isn't always the centre of uh, the way that we are approaching our media work now. It's just one of the elements. Um, yeah, it is working. Um, I come from an organization called RNW Media, which used to be an international broadcaster, but which is now a media for social change NGO, um, in a lot of similarities with the uh, previous um, presenters of BBC Media Action, working more with partnerships on the ground and not necessarily doing the content production yourself, but actually finding ways of producing material with others. We look for communities who need to be um, connected with each other, which is why I'm going to talk about Burundi and Libya, where we have extreme polarization in those societies. Uh, we look for individual change makers, individuals who will help to represent that society and make changes for that society in the future. We're talking about young people as our audience from 18 to 30-year-olds. The kind of people who want to have their voices heard but don't necessarily have the opportunity to be listened to by the authorities and we try to provide them with platforms to do so. So, clicking, not quite working. Thanks. So, um, first of all, let's start off in Burundi. Um, I think it's come onto a lot of people's radars here in South Africa, maybe just at the diplomatic level, should you send troops or not as part of the AU. That's because... Um, Last year, things got very difficult there. There was a president who decided that he didn't want to step down, which can sound quite familiar to anyone who looks at African politics. There were demonstrations and um, a failed coup. And one of the results of that failed coup was that radio stations got closed down, not only closed down, but actually destroyed. Um, why was that? Well, because radio is such a powerful medium in a place like Burundi, where about 90% of the population had access, even in a very small country, and were using it to get hold of their information. Um, those who were um, behind the coup tried to capture the state radio, uh, those who, and also destroy one of the pro-government radio stations. Those who were against the coup then took out their vengeance on some other radio stations. Um, the more independent ones, and we had actually been working with some of those radio stations, so we were left with um, a bit of a struggle. Um, can we move on the slide again? It's not working from here. Thanks. Um, could you just uh, play this one from there, unless I'm allowed to do so? Thanks. So here are some pictures of some of the protests that were going on. Five private radios uh, from the opposition and uh, radio from uh, across to the power were destroyed. So since then, uh, Burundians have lacked of information. Uh, one of uh, uh, the behavior that we saw in the way uh, Burundians are looking for information, they went online. And uh, while they were going online, because there were no more 
media houses who could both broadcast news, uh, they were confronted with uh, uh, with many rumors, with m many information, and uh, these uh, rumors, this uh, or this information was produced by journalists who didn't have uh, any uh, media houses anymore, and with journalists who were not used to the uh, uh, online uh, uh, news production. Okay, so we went with um, our primary interlocutors, those uh, journalists um, who have been part of media houses that didn't exist anymore, and with our audience who were going online. And we went online ourselves and set up a space for people called Yaga. Hold on. Technical fault here. Okay, I'm just going to hold it like this. Um, so as my colleague Adrien said, uh, we were looking for these alternative um, ways of uh, helping to support our uh, community that we'd already built there. Um, we um, created some relationships, deeper relationships with some individual bloggers and formed them into a collective called Yaga. Um, where they provide each other with editorial support and we provide some from the Netherlands as well. Um, they use Twitter, they use um, Facebook particularly, and they use online spaces. It's, and uh, could we um, play this one? This just shows some of the work that they're doing. de dire ce, que, ce qui ne transparaît pas dans les grands médias. Et donc, nous, les blogueurs, on, on raconte des histoires. Il y a une, une facilité avec le blogging qui fait qu'on peut s'exprimer très facilement et cette liberté d'expression, ça, 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 peut, ça peut avoir une influence sur la société. Ok, I'm going to come back to Burundi and come back to audio in relationship to Burundi um, in just a moment, which will situate it more closely inside this, this conference, but that just gives you some of the, uh, the context. Um, now I'm going to move on to, to Libya, um, where again we have an imploding country um, racked by civil war, dominated by militias with several different competing governments, and we have um, very difficult outlooks for young people in this uh, situation. Um, the latest estimate for unemployment that I found from, there from the World Bank, which was from 2014, was nearly 50% unemployment for young people. Um, the, one of the differences in Libya is that there is still a functioning media system. There are, uh, there are networks of radio broadcasting on FM, and there is um, a relatively high access to internet in many parts of the country. So we started a project um, using radio called Huna Libya. Um, the reason why we decided that still within that functioning system it was important to, uh, to start a new project was that those individual radio stations are often extremely partisan. They belong to one militia or another, or to one government, or another, or they've become the mouthpieces of those individuals or those organizations, and they don't provide much space for young people 
to express themselves and express their point of view. Um, here are some of the kinds of young people. Let's just move back again. Some of the young people that we've been working with. We have a clip here. This one was going in slow-mo previously, so let's just see what happens. It's slow-mo, but okay. We focused more on making a platform for everybody than uh, for each, each one who can approach us who have a story or, uh, or they think that they're different, they have different issues than, than other victims. When there is a civil war going on and uh, the society becomes more and more polarized, uh, people lose their voices uh, in the process. So, it's um, my colleague Miftah from um, Benghazi in Libya describing how um, in the midst of civil war there becomes more and more extreme polarization and um, his personal experience and uh, those of the people that he's working with is that they lose their voice. There becomes no space for young people to be able to talk. Um, so we were looking for a way to create a platform um, for young people to tell their story. And we've done it through um, um, a number of different things. And the first one is uh, the radio side, which is, can we just uh, move on again? Yeah, um, just run that from, from now. Uh, this is also going in slow-mo, so you don't see uh, exactly what's going on. Um, this is just to show you, it really is traditional radio. Here are the microphones, here are the, um, um, we're inside a studio doing it. But we're doing it both from um, Hilversum, from the Netherlands, and from uh, Libya itself. It's a joint production coming from both sides, with voices coming from Libya themselves, uh, taking part in, in the show. There's my colleague Karima, um, who's the, uh, the Netherlands side, and uh, then she has a colleague also broadcasting the, uh, the other side. And uh, in this way, we're trying to find opportunities for young people to, um, to have their voices um, being expressed. We also um, have very specifically um, social media working closely together with this um, project. Here you see we have more than 160,000 people as part of this uh, community and um, we have relatively high levels of interaction on individual posts, often which are um, cartoons or um, other visual images to stimulate um, people's discussions and then we take those discussions and again put them back onto the radio so that we uh, build the conversation. Um, again, let's move on. One more. There we go. This is my colleague Miftah. I'm really not too sure whether this one will play as is. Should we try? Okay. No. No. We're just going to go to another way of trying to, uh, to show you this particular clip. This is uh, Libya 2 clip in the, the list.
see if we can get that, that to they actually don't care about they care uh, we did an episode once about their dreams the, the dreams of young people in Libya and uh, their, their dreams were more connected to the situation in the country so we pushed them to talk actually about their uh, private dreams what they wanted and we had great stories uh, because uh, they didn't even notice that their dreams is uh, is kind of separate from what's actually going on in the country itself. We thought it will this collective of values or uh, individual experience will will uh, benefit the society more at the end. So, okay. should we switch that off and then go back to the PowerPoint? Um, so what Mufta's um, speaking about is um, how um, just even a space where young people can talk about what their dreams are, what their personal dreams are, not only for the society but for them as individuals became an important um, kind of theme that ran through our uh, productions on Huna Libya. Um, and the images that uh, showed you there were actually from an event um, in Benghazi um, during the middle of a uh, civil war going on. More than a thousand people ventured out of their homes to come to this particular event in order to, um, to express themselves in a way that is, that is different from from any other way that, that, that they had available to themselves. They were producing art and putting it on show there. They were doing um, performances on stage and people were sharing um, their sense of what it is to be Libyan in their culture. Um, what was important also was actually doing an event in a place like Benghazi, which is not Tripoli, not the capital, um, and controlled by a different militia going on. So also we were trying to show a way of bringing the whole uh, society together by doing events in very, uh, very different parts of the country. Okay, now we're going to move on back to Burundi, um, where also the polarization is between um, young people and older people, between uh, diaspora and uh, non-diaspora, um, also between capital city and rural areas. And we've realized that um, we needed to move our blogging project also onto other social networks that might be being used by people in other parts of the country or other parts of the world in order to share information. Um, WhatsApp has actually become one of the most, you know, an extraordinary growth um, industry or a, you know, an area for growth in Burundi in the last uh, year because of its immediacy, because the way it kind of has replaced radio as a place for people to uh, share information and to receive information. Um, it provides um, uh, information uh, real time. You know, right now you can find out what people are saying. But it's also um, become a space where um, because, because it can be used by others to put out misinformation, 
it's become a very contested space, again, a space full of polarization. So it's a space that we decided we needed to move into. Um, uh, you might be able to read here, but it's a bit, little bit um, uh, difficult. It says, accéder WhatsApp gratuitement, which means uh, get WhatsApp for free. And that's what happened in Burundi during the last year, uh, where about 50% of Burundians have mobile phones. Um, one of the networks offered uh, free WhatsApp, and more than a million people signed up in, uh, in a month in order to, uh, to get this information. So um, we decided to start using WhatsApp and to start broadcasting via WhatsApp. So we are putting uh, together uh, short radio packages and we are putting them out onto WhatsApp. We're building up individual networks um, so you can have about 250 people receiving a particular set of information and then you build up the next one and the next one. They can also share it themselves um, via these, uh, these groups. Uh, we picked up um, voices from um, previously well-known voices from radio stations because they're all closed. They can't find any work and um, have worked with them to give them training in how to fully check the information, fully check the news that they are receiving. Um, here we are. Oh, sorry. Can we just play this one for, if maybe this one will work from Adrien? You know, WhatsApp is now a radio. It's a live information. We are receiving, we know everything, what's happening in this neighborhood, in this neighborhood. But actually, uh, uh, many information widespread on WhatsApp, it's really difficult uh, to know uh, if it's true or not. And uh, in worst scenario, uh, WhatsApp was used to denounce, to say, look, uh, I saw a girl just entering in uh, this neighborhood. Uh, I think she's working for the government. Or look, this girl is working for the armed opposition. Uh, you should, uh, you should uh, catch her. So that kind of, Im of information is uh, widespread on WhatsApp. And you can imagine the effect it has on, uh, on uh, youth, on young Burundians. Okay. Um. It's my last slide, and it's um, just to, um, to say this is what we see um, across Africa um, in all the different places that we are working, is that we are having to become very nimble um, to move from one network to another in order to find different ways to uh, address the populations that we want to work with and to, um, to help communities uh, engage with each other. We need to always go where they are. So we are using Facebook, we are using Twitter, we're using WhatsApp, we're using radio, um, whichever ways we can find in order to get around the degrees of censorship that are going on, not only by government, but also by um, powerful interests who decide that they don't want to have specific information put out to young people. Um, one of the difficulties that we do recognize is that mobile data is quite um, precarious in particular countries. You may be aware that during the Ugandan elections, the government shut down all access to mobile data. The same happened in DRC. Um, um, one of the um, biggest spikes in downloading of VPNs was in Kampala during the elections and you know I've never had to had to hand, download a VPN myself in Europe um, 
the only reason you'd want to do so is if you want to do a bit of hacking in Europe into getting your broadcast from somewhere else. So I find that Africa is also a, you know, a leading uh, space um, in this sense that, that, that here is where the innovation is going on, here is where the challenges are, but here are where the solutions are also being found. So that's my biggest lesson from um, what I want you to draw from all of this. Okay, radio may be, um, have problems in specific areas where it can be used, use it. Where it can't, then find other ways and other methodologies to get through to the young people that you want to address. And that's me. Okay. So, please, any questions? Yes, thank you very much. Questions. Can I ask, how long are those WhatsApp audio files? Audio um, reports? I think they're going to be in the one to two minute range in order to not take up too much bandwidth yeah. from people. Very short, very sharp, and um, uh, daily to start with. Yeah. And if need to be more than daily, then they will do more. And is the 250 um, number that you gave, is that because of a a limit on group sizes by WhatsApp? So 254 exactly can be on one WhatsApp group. And then as more people apply, if they go to the uh, Yaga website and uh, say we want to get it, then, uh, then you set up a new group for them. But we will also assume that 254 means also that people will then forward it on. What I'm not sure yet is how exactly we're going to track all of that so that we know exactly what we're doing and what effect we're having. And the sort of format for these, is that like a newscast, a short summary of yep. what's happening? A short summary of what's happening plus an interview with somebody interesting. I was also told that we will, within even that uh, short amount of time, we're going to try to also cover um, the kinds of subjects that, that people wanted to be able to cover. A bit of sports one day a week, a bit of um, uh, what were the health one day a week, so and I think that's going to be very ambitious at that length, but it's going to be interesting to see what they manage to do. Do you, do you get information back or audio back from, from the other members of those groups? We're just starting at the moment, so I don't know whether we're going to get any uh, audio back. I doubt that very much. I'm sure, I'm, I imagine it is going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be written, and then we'll find ways of writing that up. Um, particularly oh. ask people to ask questions, and mm. then you can answer them. Yeah, I think the WhatsApp platform is really interesting. Um, thank you. How do you initially attract people to the... Oh, sorry. Hi, thanks. How do you initially attract people to the WhatsApp platform, for example? Um, you mentioned that you advertise possibly on the, the Yaga website. Um, other than that, is there, is there a sort of media vacuum so people are actively seeking more information? How do you get people um, interested in to it? Um, First thing is going to be via the network that they've already built up, um, all of the groups that they're all part of. If you look at the phone of one of the people who works for us and look at the number of WhatsApp groups that they are members of, which are all connected to Burundi, you'll probably find each person is a, is a member of 50 groups. So that's the first way, is just via that first, um, hey guys, you're in my group, maybe you'd like to listen to this, and keep moving it on from there. So. Um, that's the first way, via the website, via Facebook. Um, a lot of people, young people are on Facebook, both out of Burundi and inside Burundi, and we will be advertising it that way. Um, I think that's all the conventional ways that we, we have of doing it, because radio doesn't exist at the moment, apart from you know, the one state radio.
Uh, hi. Are your reporters inside Burundi, or they? And are, how do you keep them safe? And I know there's a big, and um, and a lot of those radio station staff moved to Rwanda, and I wondered if there was any thought. I know there was some talk about actually doing old-fashioned radio with a mast and beaming a signal back into Burundi so that people, because internet penetration is not that great. Internet penetration itself is about 2% um, across, which is why looking at the WhatsApp, which is, you know, via the mobile phones. Um, we, um, they are in Burundi. Uh, they've decided to go back to Burundi. Um, and go back means we extracted them from Burundi, the people that we've been working with, where you saw those images of them. They were actually working in Kampala at that point. Um, um, but um, So the levels of safety that we have provided to them are, um, you tell us what the risks are, we help you. And if we can help you to get out or to go back in, um, then you tell us the risks. I had an event where I needed a Burundian to... Uh, appear live via Skype and because we were running the event after 8 o'clock at night she said sorry no there's just no way um, it's just too dangerous for me to be out on the streets fine you know that's uh, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life in that sense um, we did our last training in Kigali um, to meet up with all of those uh, different exile now exiled radio stations um, as I said, we've picked out some individuals from those radio stations who are actually inside, still inside Burundi to work with. But by doing the training in Rwanda, we did two things, one of which was just um, to uh, engage with those radio stations. But the second was also there is, there's become this extreme polarization between those outside Burundi and those staying in, where... Um, there's become a sense that by staying in Burundi, you are supporting the regime in some way, um, similar to the work that we do in Syria, um, for example, where we have to be very careful not to be seen to be supporting the state. Yet, people still live in Syria. They aren't necessarily state supporters, but they, you know, they still need an opportunity to express themselves. So we've also used it as a way to, to start to bridge that gap, if we can, to some degree, just by getting people to talk to each other about what's, um, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it correct, correctly, what's the word Ibonekare is the, um, the, the youth militia of the ruling party. Um, is it a group of um, cudgel-wielding thugs only, or is it actually something a bit wider? than that and there's a lot of debates that go on on the websites and on Facebook about what what it is to be a member of that youth militia and uh, what people stand for that we encourage, just encourage the discussion, the questions that go on about it. And, and Sue was... Yeah. Oh yeah, the radio back into Burundi, I've heard the discussions, we're monitoring the discussions, we're very interested to see, see what happens. Um, I don't think John Masuka is in the audience for this one. He's um, broadcasting. He oh, yeah, broadcasting back into uh, Zimbabwe, and so you know, there's, that happens in places. It can be the only way to get information back in, as I'm sure John would would say. But it's um, for us. We um, 
we want to see what we can do inside the societies themselves as far as possible and what, um, what boundaries we can, we can push there in order to enable people to, to have a voice. But we certainly wouldn't be against that and I'm sure we would try to help to support it if that does come to fruition in the end. Thanks. Any other questions? John. There we go. Okay, well, I'm just going to go back to explain to some others in the room. I, I said very briefly that I'm now no longer representing a, um, an international broadcaster. We're now an NGO working on uh, media for social change. Um, we had four or five years ago the complete upset in, uh, in, in our world where uh, the government pulled the plug on, uh, on this particular organization. Um, and reduced it down uh, to 30% of what it was uh, previously. So in that situation, broadcasting directly, content production directly, um, just became no longer an option. So what is it um, that, uh, that you do? The fact that we're now called R&W Media is kind of a hark back to uh, the previous name, uh, Radio Netherlands Worldwide. Media is added to try and um, convince people that that's the business that we are in, in this, uh, in this part of the world. What can we expect in the future? We can expect um, that we will concentrate further on certain countries, um, that those countries are the most difficult ones to work with in the world, that we work in places like Syria, Yemen, Libya, Burundi, Rwanda, Democratic Republic of Congo. That's what to expect in the future, that, uh, that, that we consider media is one of the uh, essential elements to enable young people to express their voices and to have access to information, to get access to services, and we'll carry on telling people that we can help to make that happen in some of the most difficult parts of the world. In terms of partnerships, we're open for talking about partnerships with anybody at the moment because uh, we don't see this world as one where uh, we as individuals, um, we have no white savior complex. Um, we're not the ones coming in to tell people what to do. We are looking always for partners on the ground um, to help support their work. Um, I can't tell you exactly what it's going to look like in another year's time. I don't think even my bosses could tell you that. Um, but I'm sure that that's the same for most organizations. If anybody is working at the moment rather than outside of an organization, surely you are in a process of change because every organization I know is constantly changing and we're constantly having to adapt to uh, the new situation. I mean, last week I didn't know what my British passport would be worth and this week I have no clue what it is worth. My world has changed, again, fundamentally, and you know, I'm a mother of a Dutch child. What does that make me? You know, am I going to be a refugee in my, in my country of, uh, of living? I have no idea. So 
the world is changing, and, uh, but uh, it's events like this that, that may mean that you meet people and make relationships and then say, okay, let's move together and see what we can do together. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, unless there's any last pressing issue, I think we should do tea. Uh, there's some signaling going on between the two. Oh, just to uh, advertise Jonathan's next event, which is my colleague Jonathan who has got his arms out, welcoming you all with a big bear hug. He's going to be talking about one of the fundamental parts of what we do at RNW Media, which is tell stories. Great topic. So thank you very much, Janet. Thanks for that really interesting presentation. <laughs>